This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Hi, I'm Mirella Watson, and yes, I am married to this podcast's usual host, Brad Watson. I recently had a chance to talk with Jackie Hill Perry, a writer, speaker, and one of my favorite musical artists, about gospel fluency, her call as an artist, and much more. A quick note, Jackie had a microphone and I didn't, so she sounds better than me. But the conversation was so good that we had to share it. We start our conversation with the gospel. I ask Jackie the question, what is gospel fluency? To me, gospel fluency is, when I think of the word fluent, a lot of, an example I use a lot of times is that I'm very fluent in sarcasm. I don't have to really think about being sarcastic. It just kind of comes out. Like, it's just, it's easy. It's an ease to uh, me communicating in a sarcastic way. It doesn't mean it's good, but it just comes out because it's in me, I think. So when you consider gospel fluency, it's seeing the gospel in all of life, seeing it in my discipleship, in my parenting, um, in my hospitality, in my uh, modesty, in my uh, motherhood, just whatever the whatever I'm doing, wherever I am, seeing how the gospel should inform that. Yeah, as a believer, it's part of church and then American church. Um, when you look at the American church today, what do you see as one of the primary struggles when it comes to I think people think that the gospel is only a means of evangelism and not discipleship because I'll have conversations with people and they speak of the gospel as if it was only something that happened once. Um, they received it. They heard. They heard what Jesus had did on the cross. They heard the resurrection from the dead. They believed and repented in his name. But then when I say, OK, how does the gospel inform your temptations? They have no explanation for it where I feel like the church has not holistically, but in some ways not equipped people to understand that the gospel should inform everything. It doesn't just stop at salvation. It continues. Um, The gospel changes the way I look at everything. So when I'm a, a new believer, yes, I just received the gospel last week and repented and believed. And today I need it just as much as I did last week. Um, when I'm faced with a temptation, I'm faced with a struggle, I'm faced with a job uh, decision that I need to make, seeing the sufficiency of Christ in the cross and how that relates to me is huge. So I think the church just needs to get back to what the Bible did. The gospel was everywhere. It was in Genesis. And revelation. So who are we to think that it shouldn't be uh, consistent throughout everything in our churches? Yeah. So why do you think that is? Why do you think that the American church has lost sight of the gospel? And um, like you said, applying it to everyday life, mm-hmm. and family and relationships and everything. Yeah. I mean, I think my only assumption would be they've lost sight of the gospel because they've lost sight of God. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't have a right view of God, then that distorts how you view the gospel. Because me having a neediness and a thirst for God and all of life means that I have to go back to the clearest example of God's person and love and grace and wrath and justice and fairness and acceptance, which is in the gospel. Um, And so I think if the church can kind of be weaned off of 
other idols off of lesser versions of God um, and back to just God himself and him being everything that we need, then that would move us into seeing that God and the gospel are inseparable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's a really good segue to our next question. What would you say is our way forward mm-hmm. to recapturing the importance of the gospel yeah. um, in everyday life for the church? I think it's a few ways, but I think one of the primary ways would be the word of God. I think one thing is people, I think when they read the Bible, they assume it's about them. I think they read Romans or they read Psalms and it's, it's me, 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 not saying no, that the Bible is about God. And so I think if we begin to study the Bible and study it looking for God and then we preach it exalting God and then we speak it to remind us of God, that will change, I think, the dynamics of how we approach even gospel fluency because now it becomes a God thing and not a me thing. Now, it affects me and impacts me, but ultimately it has to be God first and foremost. He is the Alpha and Omega. I'm not. I need him, you know? And so I think if we just get back to the Word of God being the Word of God and seeing it for what it is, which is a book that it shows the glory of God and how the glory of God then changes how I see me, see sin, see life, then I think we, we're, we're starting on the right track. Yeah. Um, now shifting a little bit to the personal application mm-hmm. of what we've been talking about. Um, yeah, often we talk about the gospel, even in the church and in our communities, mm-hmm. as if it's like a, an idea or something we can just study mm-hmm. on Sunday morning or mm-hmm. in our Bible study. Mm-hmm. And just talk about it and then go home mm-hmm. or do whatever we go, we go to do. Um, so what, what would you say would happen if... If the gospel, if we allowed that to impact our daily life. I can speak for me. um, When I began to recognize how the gospel impacts life, you know, our daily life, is when um, I was being discipled and I was really dealing with temptation a whole lot. And I didn't really know how to fight. You know, you're a new believer. You're just figuring, you have been given in so long, you don't know what to do. (laughs) It's like, I don't know how to fight this. And my discipler was the one who told me, Jackie, the gospel doesn't just save you. It keeps you. She was like, trust God. Like that sin you're dealing with, that temptation you're dealing with, that literally was placed on him on the cross. And God poured out his wrath on that. And Jesus went to the grave and defeated it. So you could literally look at Jesus and say and see that you don't have to give in to this. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then surely you could walk away from this sin. And that was revolutionary to me. I had no idea that the gospel could affect me not only on Sunday, but on a Tuesday. I had no idea. And so I I think what changes is people walk in a different level of freedom. Uh, They just start abiding and they start just bearing fruit. You're going to struggle with shame. But I think you're not as discouraged because you see that even Jesus died for that, you know. So, yeah, you feel temptation, but guess what? He's interceding for you. Guess what? He's a great high priest who uh, you can go to when you need, you're in your time of need. Like, even in that, even in you feeling the weight of what sin has done to you, you could be reminded of the cross. And so it just changes everything. <laughs> what aspect of it has recently challenged you mm-hmm. um, or nurtured or impacted your daily life? The gospel? Yeah. I think... What I've been challenged by lately is just the fullness of who God is. And so you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And seeing that the gospel 
is present with them all. It includes them all because after Jesus' resurrection, he sends his spirit. And so seeing that, man, like when Jesus died for my sin and when he rose from the grave, he didn't just say repent and believe and leave me alone. He sent me a comforter. He sent me a healer. He sent me a helper. And so I just, I've just been lately been super encouraged by the fact that God is with me today, you know, um, that he is in me. He is in his body. And they are all really being used as conduits of grace uh, towards me to help me to, to fight sin, to pour out, to love people with a brotherly affection. All of these things I cannot do in and of myself. There's nothing good I can do apart from the Spirit of God. I think that is one of the most practical ways that the gospel has really been kind of transforming how I think, where it's like, man, do I include the Holy Spirit in my gospel presentation? Or is it just Jesus? Jesus is amazing, but the Holy Spirit is God too. The Father is God too. They're all active in the gospel. When I ask Jackie about areas of unbelief in her life, where she struggles to believe the gospel, she immediately asked her husband, Preston. The microphone didn't catch his response, but I wanted to share about it because others can often see in us what we cannot see. And I was really impressed that she asked Preston about it right away. After the process, things together, here was her response. I do find a lot of identity in my gifts. And I do struggle with seeing God rightly as he is big, he is high, he is lifted up. He is not using you because he needs you. He's using you because he wants to. And so I think one measure of unbelief that is always in my heart is just pride, just really believing that uh, me and God should switch places. But the scary thing is, is when you're in Christ and you have these gifts, you could literally be putting yourself in the position of God while talking about God, which is scary. That's the deception where it's like, I'm projecting this image of humility and this image of ministry when it's really all about me anyway. And so I think one of my prayers is always, God, like, when I open your word, please show me you. Let me see you. And then when I'm in community, like, serving and trying to seek for ways to serve in ways that I won't be acknowledged. And so I think what the gospel says to that is, you're not God. You're not me. Only Jesus was perfect. Only Jesus was all wise. Only Jesus was sinless. Only Jesus knows everything. And so because of that, I don't need to find identity in that. I can just find identity in him. In him is the wisdom of God. He's all I need. I don't need it from people because creatures can't fulfill me. Creatures' opinions cannot sustain me. Um, and so I think that's just a constant wrestle. It might be something I deal with for the rest of my life. And just kind of hearing and you guys process it a bit, yeah. um, I guess the question I could ask you know, differently, which we, if God took away all of your gifts, yeah. would still be enough? Yeah, it would be hard. Struggle. Yeah, it would, it would be like getting your leg cut off. Right. I, I, I would feel and sense a lack. But I think the Holy Spirit in me would do something to my heart where I see the joy and the lack. I don't say this to be about me, but I really believe that the Holy Spirit has changed my heart, where I've seen consistently throughout my life where God will do things that I just really am not a fan of. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of this. I just don't want to do this. But he just moves it and renews my mind and renews my heart where on the other side of it, I see why, where it's like, Man, you were being good to me to take that away. You were being good to me to say, uh, take up your cross in that way. Um, switching a bit into the gift mm-hmm. um, of words and turning them into art. Um, 
has there been a change in your work and your art mm. you grow an understanding of um, Jesus, God, gospel, and his spirit and his work in your life? I think how the gospel has impacted the way I do art is I'm just much more intentional, but I think I flesh it out a bit a lot more than I used to, where it would be, okay, here's the poem, and Jesus lived a life you couldn't live, died on the cross, resurrected from the grave, repent believed, which is the gospel. But now I think I'm a lot more intentional about really showing the practical sides of what that looks like. So when it comes to womanhood, for example, and I want to write a poem that deals with Titus 2 or Ephesians 5, where it talks about a woman submitting to her husband, knowing that that's a sensitive topic in this culture, knowing that I'm coming and rubbing against someone's pride, really, showing like, no, you can do this because Jesus submitted to the Father. The gospel wouldn't be here if submission was not an aspect of the Trinity. You know, in the Trinity, we see headship, headship and submission. And so God is really saying, woman, be like me. <laughs> Walk out like how I live and mirror and image me and how you love and submit to your husband. And so doing that in poetry and art form, I think, is, has been the difference in how I've, I guess, changed the way I write. Walking people through, this is how the gospel should change this specifically, and this is what it looks like. In the world of arts, where do you see... Um, the need for the Lord of Jesus mm. to break through. Yeah, I think in the world of arts, I see a big need for Jesus. Mm. I think artists are prone to do art for art's sake. Mm. Not saying that's wrong, but I don't know if it has the most lasting effect mm. as art that is unto God's glory. I look at it as, okay, God has given me the ability to create. I could create anything I wanted to create, but I would rather create something that's going to get some jewels in my crown. Something that I can stand before God and say, this is all you, <laughs> all glory to you. That won't get burned up in the end, you know, because it wasn't done from faith in him. So I think just getting back to what the psalmists were talking about, even lamentations. We don't even hear a lot of art about people being sad. That's a part of life because I think even understanding in my sadness there is hope. When you think about Lamentations 3 and you see how at the end he gets back to who God is, you know what I'm saying, how he will help you and um, give you strength even though he feels harsh and he feels overbearing right now. And so I think Jesus is very much necessary. But the thing is, if God is not, if the gospel is not, if Jesus is not in the artist's heart in their life, he's not going to be in their art. So this is really less about art and more about the artist's heart. There's a lot of rhyming. But, you know, and so I think if we as a community, as a body, I think what I see is that artists need to be within communities that aren't full of artists because artists share the same language versus having someone to speak into what you create, speak into your life, speak into your thoughts um, in such a way where it just infuses what comes out of you because what's going to come out is going to come out. Um, and so, yeah, Jesus is, is needed everywhere, especially in that medium, because it's received by so many people that don't even go to church. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.